listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast. From marriage to menopause and margaritas, nothing is off the table. This is Cindy Goldenberg. Hi, this is Cindy Goldenberg, and I'm here to talk to you today about self-acceptance, aging, menopause, body repair, and a bunch of gross stuff. So if there's kids around, I don't know if this is really topical because I will get a little salty, which is fun. I eat the margaritas as in uh, menopause, marriage, and margaritas. So I have recently been going um, through radiation. I had breast cancer. Yep, I'm one of the four one of the lucky ones. Yeah, I had it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I knew I did. So I live in Miami. I have excellent doctors. I've had so many health challenges and like I say, body repair. And one of the things that really irks me, um, I guess I got to own out loud. I'm kind of a conceited psychic person. Again, I believe that we're all connected and intuitive. So it irks me and annoys me uh, to just hang around, quote, psychic people or like when I used to, or I would network or, you know, when you go do women's groups or whatever, and you're trying to, um, establish your brand and do workshops and events and you meet other people and everybody else has a forte but I'm telling you you get into this kind of psychic world most of them think they're so freaking special and elitist and light enlightened and you're not and and I just I, 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 I can't sit and listen if I'm not talking I can't sit I'm bored and I think god when did I become rude but I guess I am because it's part of the whole, you know, menopausal thing. You run out of uh, hormones that bathe the brain and make you calm. But anyway, um, I just can't stand people, psychic or not, that say, when I say psychic, I mean intuitive healer. Oh, you're not doing your affirmations or you're not spiritual, or you have un unresolved anger and blocks in your body, and that's why you're sick, or that's why you have this condition, or that's how you have that. And I think, no, I don't believe that. One, I, I know about clearing and praying and connecting, and I do it often and frequently, and I'm good at it. Two, I could give a shit what you're saying because you're offensive and rude and just so typical of the whole hoity-toity, look at me, I'm psychic and better than you. Three, I have no patience for what you think I'm doing incorrectly. I don't like to be criticized. I don't criticize other people. I hate being challenged and criticized. It bores me. And four, it doesn't do anything positive. So saying that, if anyone ever tells you that you're not doing something or if you do something, it'll make a condition go away or whatever, take it not 100%. Take it 
know the person or know in yourself that you're being guided to self-love and self-care. Yes, all those good things. But anything in life, don't buy into anything where you deprecate. Okay? So saying that, I'm going to tell you about my body adventures from a different point of view of gratitude. I'm grateful I've been carved up like a turkey. I'm grateful that I have met so many phenomenal doctors and staff and nurses. I'm grateful that at this age, I've had the money and the means to have the insurance to have procedures and live in a city with cutting edge technology and great medicine and really handsome, hunky Latin male nurses. Let's just go there, okay? So being at the age that I am, I have, I don't have the BRCA gene, which is a breast cancer gene that you take a blood test and you see like Angelina Jolie and a few other actresses where they have the genetic predisposition that most likely, very high likely, like 90% likely you're going to have uh, breast cancer. So they choose to do a prophylactic procedure of a double mastectomy to avoid having the, quote, inevitable. So I don't have that. Years ago, I took that test. And when I filled out the form, I said my mother had her left breast removed, my grandmother had her left breast removed, and my great-grandmother had her left breast removed. So I thought, I've got to have this gene because it's the same part. And when I did, this was one, two, three years ago, I think, two years, I don't know. I drew the blood and I thought, I got to wait like a month for this. I got to go to California. I got to see friends. I got to go divert my mind. But I did get scared and I did cry and I did get apprehensive and who wouldn't? And I did know friends that had breast cancer and awful stories and different kinds of cancers. And since then, I have seen many of my friends and family pass young, my age, and younger. So I am and by no means trivializing the word cancer. So I'm not. But I'm just sharing with you about my body, about my perspective, about how I look at things with gratitude and sometimes not, and I'm just being as honest as I can. So back to this instance, when I had the blood test, why I was a little nervous is because since age 32, after I had my son, I'm used to having lumps and funny little things removed. And I remember the first time I had cysts and they kind of put a needle in and try to extract, you know, they call it fibrocystic disease, but it's just kind of like fluid that builds up in the different ducts, whether or not you breastfeed. It's hormonal changes. They say it's coffee and chocolate, but ain't gonna omit that. Never will, never have, ain't gonna. But way back when, I remember there was like this great jelly ball, and I was not afraid, but I went to um, my gynecologist, and he tried to aspirate it, which is, quote, put a needle in it and pop the fluid. And he goes, it's kind of hard. And at the time, we knew our surgeon, we had a store, a video store, 
and we used to have home theater equipment and everything. And so we knew everybody in our community and our surgeon was also our customer. And he goes, I can get you in right now. I can do it right now. And it was the end of the day. And I uh, popped in. I went, gee whiz, thanks. And he numbed me up and I laid down and he put the little paper towel curtain up. And back then he popped in a little music, a little CD, you know, and it was probably Crosby Stills or something. And I remember looking out the window and it was like starting to become sunset and orange, you know, tint and smoky clouds. And I was just very calm and I'm like, gee, doctor, I'm so glad you're doing this for me. Thanks for piggybacking me. And and he started to cut and it felt like someone tugging you with a t-shirt, you know, and he pulled this lump thing, this apricot. And I felt like, you know, no pressure, but just a weird sensation of being yanked at. And then he got real quiet and he and the nurse and I go, let me see, let me see. And he goes, you sure? And I said, yeah, this is cool. You know, remember I got an A in anatomy in college. I said, I want to see. So he puts the little curtain down and, you know, it was a one inch little incision. And it was like this little apricot, but smaller than an apricot, but had little roots on it. Like when you pull out a weed, it has little roots. And I thought, isn't that weird how a little jelly ball thing can grow in your body? And it's pretty big. And I never felt it. So anyway, sewed me up, never thought anything about it. By the time I went into the other room and got out of the little paper gown and put my shorts and top back on, he says, I ran it down to the lab. You're fine. I said, thank you. So you can't really see a scar, no big deal. But I say that because I was in my early 30s, so I'm used to stuff going on. So now fast forward, and then I have another child years later, and then I have mammograms, and they're always, mm, can't see, mm, come back, mm, closer, mm, get an ultrasound. I'm used to that conversation for years, decades really. So now when I had that BRCA gene test, I had lived in Miami for about a year or so. And they kept saying, come back, come back. We need a different angle. We need a different look, another x-ray, another mammo, another this. And I got scared and I thought, okay. And I talked to my other doctor, did the BRCA gene. And that's when I went to California to go see friends, drink beer, see family, go play get this off my mind of what it would be like to go through drastic surgery, blah, 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 blah. And then I was fine. And he said, you know, you uh, don't have the gene and all the tests just say, you know, you're fine and go have a nice life and go back in a year and check again. So I said, okay. But the other thing about living in Miami is, um, People like Southern California are very sunshine, health conscious, fit, go to the gym, every apartment, every condo here, gym, gym, gymnasium, weightlifting people, big buff doctors, no matter how old they are, they come out with big bowling ball arms. Nobody's freaking overweight here. Everybody's like, yeah, rocking it. And, you know, even when we moved here, I told my husband, we're going to live like we did before we were married in a townhome or, you know, a condo, and we're going to have to walk the dog and get fit and get moving, and we're not going to drive our car. We're going to go out, and, and we did. So now I, saying that, have always gone to alternative or functional or integrative MDs. They're regular medical doctors, but they offer 
alternative, safer solutions. For instance, bioidentical hormones. Now, my hormones I have used are creams that you use topically and a progesterone capsule that they compound and also a vaginal suppository. Yes, let's talk about it. Let's go there, ladies. That is made of glycerin and a little estriol. All of these different kinds of bias, which is an estradiol and a little testosterone. They're all measured out according to your blood work and they're compounded and made very low doses and safe and synergistically using all of them together. You use it in your vaginal wall because that's where estrogen stored. Let's all talk, you know, we're not 12 year olds. That's where your estrogen is primarily stored as well as your ovaries, but that skin is meant to absorb and store estrogen. And so by taking all these things, it has made me happy. Also, by the way, clairvoyant. Just um, when I first started after I had my second child, I remember getting really hot and irritable and you know, like after breastfeeding and everything. And I thought, oh my God, I'm just like, I weigh 8,000 pounds. I had three miscarriages. It took four years to get a good pregnancy. I weigh so much. I'm hot. I'm hungry. I'm all these things. And then I thought, well, but thank God I can have a period now and it's not painful because I'm a VBAC. That's a vaginal birth after cesarean. And I felt so proud of myself at 40 years old. And then I had two periods that were totally painless. And I'm like, yes, I have arrived. I am like the goddess woman. And then they stopped. And I'm like, what now? Now, now that there's no pain, I've been like in pain my whole life. Like miss work, had to lay down, take drugs, real major painkillers, had surgeries, you know, ablations, whatever, like uterine fricking pain, can't take the birth control pill, pain, pain, hug a tree at 13 years old, go outside and just cry, pain, and now I don't have any pain and you take it away, that's right, so I hit menopause very early, by 42, I was edgy and heavy and hungry and not in a good place, so I had to learn about this and pay through the nose, so now fast forward, I've been on these happy safe, healthy hormones for 20 years. They also made me very clairvoyant because the progesterone helps relax the brain. And I read that it's the same as like THC, the uh, psychoactive part of marijuana, but you're not high. So if it makes the brain like marijuana without being high, it's calming it and opening up the pineal gland the pineal gland is also what opens up to make you relax at night, and also it's what makes you dream. It's also connected to the thyroid and to the estrogen and the ovaries and yada yada. And the, but the pineal gland is bathed or nurtured by progesterone. So now I'm on all these happy hormones and life is good and I don't lose the weight right away, to be honest. I mean, I was hungry and I had different issues and I raised my daughter and I raised my son and I did the best I could and I was fit, but I wasn't where I am now. It took, it took a while and it wasn't because I wasn't eating, 
you know, chocolate bonbons. It's just your body changes when you're older. And I had my children older in my 30s and at 40. So I have always gone to MDs that can look at my vitamins and I don't take a vitamin unless I need it. And they always look at my hormones and my thyroid and I choose to do things naturally. I don't say no to medicine. I don't um, say it's either or. I use both. I'm not against anything, but I'm pro-health and this is how I have found my way. Okay. So now I see my alternative MD after I get all these mammograms. And she says, you know, we do thermography. Now, any doctor would go, thermography is a bunch of happy horseshit, doesn't mean anything. It's a bunch of colored pictures, like a heat in your body. But she said, you know, it's not scientific, but it's $150. And I went, what, what, what? In LA, it's like four or 500. And what they do is they make the room cold and they turn the air conditioning on. And then the camera, you hold your arms, you take your shirt off, you hold your arms above your head, and they take a photo of you. And it's an outline in your blue and green, and the hot spots, like under your chin, under your armpit, under your breasts, are red and orange. But in the breasts, and you can't tell it's me, I look like a colored crayon, you know, it's just an outline of a figure. But in the breasts, like just random, are little islands of yellow and red and orange little hot spots. And the whole goal was like, well, what the hell? I'm here. I trust you. Let's go um, uh, take a picture. And then in six months, we'll take another picture. Additionally, with conventional medicine protocol of mammograms and ultrasounds. And we'll see if anything changes. Okay, okay. So I get it back, and whoever the company is, they kind of go, well, it's suspicious. I'm used to that word. She tells me, she goes, go see a breast specialist. I said, why? What's a breast specialist? She goes, it's a cancer doctor. So I go down to Mount Sinai, which is a big hospital here in Miami, just like the one in L.A., which is Cedar sinai and they have a whole building just for breast cancer. I walk in and I think, I am wasting this guy's time. I am embarrassed to be here, even though I'm a confident woman. I think we've established that. But I really am saying the story because I want you women or men to tell your women and family. I felt intimidated, like I wasn't entitled to be there, and I was going to waste everybody's time. So I met this cancer surgeon, the head of the whole department, he had two interns with him and he walked in. I had my little reports of all my mammograms that said I was absolutely fine. And I had my little colored picture chart. And I said, don't make fun of me. This is Miami and everybody's buff and there's a juice bar on every corner. And I said, I do alternative medicine and natural bioidentical hormones. And we did this and she just wanted me to come in, make your acquaintance, shake your hand, get to know you say hello and tell you, you know what, I'm going to follow up with these pictures and I'll be back. So I'm doing it for her. And he said, that's fine. He says, well, I understand. And and he was, you know, like he made, he got the joke and the two kids that were in there and the young doctors, they kind of smiled. And I said, you know, Miami is, you know, everybody here is buff and in bikinis and stuff. And so he says, well, you know, 
we can do an MRI. That's not invasive or anything. It's not an x-ray, but, you know, it'll tell you more. I said, okay. So, you know, I did an MRI, and I'm telling you, you haven't lived until you put your arms above your head and your breasts hang down, and you can't move your arms and your elbows, and you go upside down, and your face is in a cone, and I swear to God, if this were a man's testicles, it would be made out of, like, Rolls-Royce leather. You'd have piped-in music. You'd have, like, a margarita on a straw. It would be so comfortable. But this, especially with a bad shoulder and stiff and everything, this is the most awful fucking position you could absolutely put me in. And you lay down, and even though there's a little pad under your breast plate, it's your rib cage. And when you're laying there after 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, that little board feels like it's made out of knives, like you're in a torture chamber in England. And your arms are above your head and you're stuck and the noise is going and you have to breathe. You have to go somewhere. You got to do your ancient Sanskrit oming. I do affirmations. I chant. I do anything. It's awful. But I did it. And I'm glad I did it. So now I'm follow law, living the life, you know, going down, listening to my uh, Latin pop music on my headsets, doing the elliptical, getting fit. And I get the report and I have 10 masses of hyperplasia, which is borderline stage zero breast cancer. It's not really considered cancer, but it's suspicious showing different sizes and masses of so many cells in the breast duct that are ready to burst. But I think no problem. It's kind of like pre-cancer things. I'm fair-skinned, blue-eyed. My dad had freckles and red hair. I go into the dermo not once a year, but four times a year, and there's always something to cut off and, you know, suspicious and sometimes a pre-cancer. And I kind of look at it like that, like, dang, we got it. Thank God. Thank you, angels. So I go through two months of biopsies and the biopsies are, again, not so bad on your back. You put your arms above, you get numb, they kind of tug you with a thing that looks like a glue gun and they suck out cells and they're looking for all these different things, especially breast cancer cells, but it's the hyperplasia. So long story short, I had another one on my 60th birthday in that contorted position of the MRI with the biopsy and this time they clamp these plastic plates down on your breast and I was stuck in a position for an hour and 20 minutes and it was traumatic and I was stuck and when it was done I couldn't get up and then when I finally unfroze my shoulders and got up on my elbows the floor looked like a slaughtered pig there was so much blood I had so much bruising and everything. And I thought, but this is for the greater good, I trust. I did it. I accomplished it. I got, the doctor got me in by the end of the year. He removed 10 masses, six on the left, four on the right. I'm so lucky. My little breast on the left, it's still there. But I have little train tracks around the areola and he patched up everything fine. And I made jokes and told people like, oh, yeah, no, you don't get so much uh, nipple uh, 
uh, sensation and yeah, all that wild sex with the husband, uh, not so hot anymore and whatever. And we make jokes and, you know, but I'm older and other people have experienced far worse and I'm so lucky and blessed and I am. So then now because I get, have had the surgery, I am allowed and entitled to get an MRI. So I get an MRI six months later, a year later, and then two years later. This last one that was two years later had something suspicious. Immediately when I went in, and this time I didn't have to stay too long, you know, it's like 20 minutes. I know the positioning. I gear myself up. I get in there. I hear them come in going, you can do it, you can do it. They have the little IV in my arm and they're going to administer the contrast dye. And the contrast dye, when I came out, they said something lit up like a Christmas tree. I closed my eyes and I asked, is this cancer? And I heard yes. And I heard it so calm. And I heard it just so, I don't even want to say blissful or, or angelic, just as a non-issue. Like, yes, it's there. And then it won't be. And I didn't, I, I, it's an organic, uh, not numbness, but a neutrality of objective, okay, kind of like there's a plant and there's a tree and there's a rose and there's a tropical bush and there's the water. It was just pleasant, but matter of fact and over with. So I looked up and I told the tech, and as the girl, people help you and, you know, they rub your shoulders and help you stand up because it is a contorted position. And she says, you know, like, you know, I'm sure you'd be okay and everything. And I said, no, I know I have it. And they go, oh, no, don't say that. So now fast forward, I have to go get another, I have to come back and I have to get another biopsy. And um, they get the biopsy. And now I have to wait three days. And I told everybody as I, was into the year meeting my deductible, doing all my doctor stuff and the dermo and the this and the cardiologist and all those fun things that you get to do. Like years ago, I had a heart ablation for AFib. I thought I had tachycardia and I actually went in for tachycardia and I had, I don't remember my near-death experience. I just know I woke woke up and I knew I went somewhere else and it was beautiful. And I saw one of the handsome strapping Latin nurses kind of get teary or panicked. And I said, I'm fine. Thank you for taking care of me. And I couldn't really articulate and I was kind of drugged. But I knew I went home. I knew I was I was like, I, I can't explain it. I didn't see a white light. I didn't see my parents or anything, but I was elated. And I woke up feeling, oh, it's real. Angels and love and love. Oh, my God. Like, oh, for me? Oh, it's real. Meantime, I see the panic in his eyes. And he goes, we had to do the, what is it, defibrillator three times. I had these big paddle marks on me and everything. And I said, but I'm fine. And thank you for taking care of me. And I thought, I patted him on the hand. And I said, you know, there's people that are clairvoyant or talk about choices or angel. I'm one of those. And I said, he goes, I believe it and all this. And I said, let me tell you, I was in good hands 
and they worked through you, and you are part of that team, and thank you. And I could tell he was just ready to just cry or go home and have a very stiff vodka. So I'm always appreciative of the doctors and the medical care, and especially the nurses, because they are the front line. But psychic or not, you can read it in their eyes. So when I came out of the MRI and I looked at the techs and I looked at the people in there, they averted my eye contact and looked down and I thought, it's okay, I'll be fine. So sure enough, I get the call a few days later and they go, and I know the staff and I know the people that work in the hospital because I went through this three years prior and they go, would you like the news on the phone or in person? I go, enough already. So it was in situ which is a cribiform and it's a little it was a tiny tiny little cancer in the left breast and so they cut it out i had another lumpectomy but this time it was only in one spot and then as a uh, protective measure we're doing 15 rounds of uh, radiation on that spot but what i'm telling you is i'm off of hormones because unfortunately, the little booger was uh, estrogen receptor positive and progesterone positive. And at first they told me, well, this is good news because now you can take the medication and your risks of getting it again. Because when you talk about cancer, nobody really talks about like what life and what your choices are. It's just your rate of survival. Well, you're going to live because you get to come back and you get to have MRIs and you get to get the radiation and you get to have the pills. And, and the pills, you know, you can either have blood clots and nausea, diarrhea, constipation, dizziness, puking or, you know, ear ringing or just the nausea and insomnia. Which one do you want? So as I read all these things, I go, I know I, what you're saying and I'm trying to envision how many people get a reoccurrence and I'm filling in the blanks and talking to people and listening and asking staff that I know at different doctor's offices and their stories of their mothers or their sisters. And I'm telling you, I am so blessed. And when going back, the first time when I had the ultrasound, I closed my eyes and I saw the red. Now, I've talked about auras before and seeing them, but auras and aura colors and everything and personality are different. Sometimes when you close your eyes, you can get symbols of violet, of a higher spiritual connection that you're in, or blue, or see dots, or see little uh, circles, or whatever. It's very normal to kind of ascend and see these things. But for me, when I see something red, it just means physical. And the minute that I close my eyes and he put the ultrasound over the area, it was like that jelly bean apricot looking thing that the doctor pulled out years ago but now it was red and I knew that was a cancer in my body and it was going to be removed and so it's gone and now I am sitting here thinking and learning on my own I would like a mastectomy but then they go well that's too radical but on the other hand I didn't have it really bad yet but then if I don't do something could it come back worse so I'm in that kind of discovery zone of where I have to find out what I want to do. But in the meantime, I, I remember telling my doctor when I had a follow-up, I said, I, I had such a good day and thank you. And he goes, are you being facetious? And I said, no. 
you know, and he kind of knows what I do. I don't know, maybe. And I go, you know, I'm kind of a self-help spiritual writer, blogger, things like that. And I just kind of said that. I go, I am grateful that you found this. I am grateful that you're taking care of me. I mean, I don't mean to sound like churchy, preachy, but I really will hug you or put my hands. I put my hands around my husband's cardiologist and said, you have a crystal aura. And, and nine times, 99,000 times out of uh, 100,000 or whatever, you know, 99.9% want to hear more. I don't care who you are. They really go, can you see that? Can you feel, really? So when I told him how grateful I was, he was very off-putting because he was used to people who were crying and, and I get it. But on the other hand, I said, I'm so grateful and privileged that I got this early. So I want to share the story because it is uplifting and it shows you that an MRI is a choice that any woman can have. But at the same time, I'm now in a part of my life where I'm willing to live without breasts and have something reconstructed, knowing that may not be perfect, may be painful, and may not even be worth it to go through, but it's a choice I have to make. And I'm going to make it with gratitude. Just like I thought when I had that heart ablation and I did go back because it wasn't tachycardia and it was AFib and I had to come back the following month. You know, I've learned to humble and surrender. So yes, I do get hot Latin uh, nurses, but you haven't lived till you really had to shit in a bedpan. And when that happened, because they speed your heart up, and you're really racing, and then you wake up, and even though you're drugged and you're going to go to your room, your body goes through this cleanse, and you're conscious. And I thought, I can't do this. I have to get up. I have to go to the bathroom. It's hitting me. I can feel this awful diarrhea feeling. And they go, no, 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 no. You can't stand up. You just had this inserted, you know, in your artery, which is your groin, and you can't stand because that could open up, and we, you have to lay flat. I go, that I need one of those bed. I mean, I have, you know, I have to get over. And so when that happened, I, I was so embarrassed and I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then everybody, you know, I went through the process, fill in the blanks. I felt, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then again, I thought, you know, who the hell cares? This is what they do. They saved my life or they're helping my life. I think I've had that. And then you know, I've had surgeries where when I came here, I had diverticulitis and I always heard about it. And I thought, yeah, eat a good diet. But I had so many attacks and I was so grateful to have a little boutique ER that was near where my house was with their, it was an affiliation of Mount Sinai. And it was like going to a spa and they'd open up the door and they'd let me in and I had IVs. And then I had to wait like six weeks to get really clean before I could have a colonoscopy. And it just seemed like for five cycles, I could not get to past not having an infection and having a flare up with a temperature and such. So it took nine months and then I was free. I had my colonoscopy, I prepped and I had a surgery and I had my colon reconstructed. I had no pain. I was on a little painkiller and then next day I was fine walking around this beautiful hospital with views of the water of Miami Beach, of the Bay, Key Biscayne. But you have to stay there 
five days because it is the colon, it's the rectum, and you have to go to the bathroom. And I didn't know when they're giving me stool softeners. I thought, well, there's nothing in there. Until the fourth day, I was walking down the hall and I had this accident. And I thought, I can't believe this is happening. Why didn't they tell me this would happen? Why didn't they give me a diaper? Why didn't they put something in here? Why didn't, you know, I went and bought brand new jammies and Ugg slippers. So I have been humbled in the area more than once. And then... uh, year and a half ago, I've always bragged that I'd never get a cold. And I got a cold and I got a bad cold. And it was a cold that went in your chest and I coughed and I coughed and I had junk left over. And I thought, oh, I want to go back to Pilates. I want to go do what I do. I couldn't walk the dog a lot. And I remember coughing and coughing and I felt like I laid an egg. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, what the happened? There's something like that feels like skin. And I had a prolapsed vagina. And I thought, oh my God, I have lived, like, when am I going to get the good stuff? I've had fillers a couple times, but when am I going to get the little facelift or the tuck or the this or the that? And sure enough, I thought, what went wrong? What did I do? I went to the gynecologist and he said, he's so beautiful, another buff Miami doctor and he's Cuban and he's lovely and angelic and warm, buttery brown eyes. And he looked at me and he says, Cindy, I will take care of your vagina. And I said, thank you, doctor. So he scheduled uh, and he says, this is like a little facelift. I just take a little bit and the inside nip and tuck and it's all tight and it won't do that again. And I said, how did that happen? He goes, it happens. It happens. You had a hysterectomy years ago and the connective tissue and blah, 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 blah. So now I'm so careful. And now when I go to Pilates, I don't lift anything up and I'm constantly squeezing the pelvic floor. And then on the other hand, I'm thinking I have part of my um, colon that's been removed. So I have to be careful if I fart in Pilates and I go to push or I go to do, you know, uh, my feet up and I want to do sit-ups or anything else because sometimes little things happen or little air pockets or little things like that. So I know this sounds gross, but it isn't. It's a part of growing older. It's a part of accepting things that don't work the way we want to. It's a part of knowing that this is the perfect imperfection. That we as women are still beautiful. I still buy my makeup and my serums and I still do my exercise and my vitamins. I'm off of my hormones. I'm hot flashing. I'm irritable. I sometimes, yes, pee when I sneeze, even though you'd think all of that got nipped and tucked, but stuff happens. And yes, I do have to be conscious of what I eat, be it gas or if I have the runs, because it's on its own. My body goes to its own beat, and even each organ or each surgery that I've had is doing something that it wants to do. And now with radiation, I go in, I see my guys from Long Island, the tech, we laugh, we we cut up, but it's very serious. I see people in there much worse than me, and I'm grateful that I'm here, 
and I'm grateful that I have had these experiences and I'm grateful that I could share them and be honest with you because it's a choice at the end of the day to really accept myself as beautiful and as healthy and as humble and knowing that this is the path that was meant to happen in order for me to be perfect, whole, and complete. And so I hope you enjoyed a little funny anecdote and and a little toilet humor here and there to know that we're all, we all do the same thing, but these are fun adventures that you too can look forward to as you age. Thank you. (laughs) And good luck with that. You have been listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast with intuitive expert, Cindy Goldenberg. To learn more or stay connected, be sure to visit www.cindygoldenberg.com.